We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. We're sort of got a lot of people still out, a lot of people still traveling, but I'm excited that God's in this place today and that if we'll allow him, we'll have the best service we've ever had. Because he came this morning waiting for us to be here. And I'm excited about that. Before we get started, I wish we could just close our eyes just for a moment. Let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hearts to him. Let's just thank him for allowing us to be here today. Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, we just thank you for the fact that we get to walk into your presence. Lord, that we get to walk into this place this morning. Lord, even with our needs and with our problems. Lord, we get to walk in. Lord, and we come to your throne room. Lord, and we ask right now that you just see this service. Lord, you see the needs are in this place. Lord, you see the needs we have. Lord, we ask right now that you just touch them. Lord, that you just move in this place today. Lord, we're going to worship you for it. Lord, we're going to thank you for it because you're worthy. Lord, you gave your very life so that we could be here this morning. And we're going to give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're awake, say amen. Amen. If somebody didn't say amen, just nudge them. Wake them up a little bit. If you got your Bibles, we'll go quickly to the Word, and I'll let you sit down as long as you promise to stay awake. Isaiah chapter 55, verse number 8, a verse that probably most of us are pretty familiar with, or verses, a couple of verses that we're pretty familiar with. Isaiah 55 and 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Are you glad this morning we serve a God whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts? That His ways are higher than our ways? That whenever we go through a problem, He's already got the solution? How depressing would it be if we didn't? One more time, I know we already worshiped, we already prayed for a second, but let's just pray one more time. Lord, right now I just ask you to anoint me. Lord, you already anointed this word. Lord, I ask right now that you open every heart. Lord, let us receive the word that you have for us today. Lord, on this beautiful Sunday after Thanksgiving, Lord, we come and we still give you thanks. And we just ask you to be in this place once again. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'm not going to promise any preaching this morning. I'm not going to promise that I'm going to get loud and carried away, which I don't do very often. I was laughing at Brother Tony a while ago. He, uh, Brother Tony is one of the first first people that we met when we came here, and I've been I, I've loved that family ever since. And he's one of those that he he can he can pick on me. I don't get upset about it at all. He told me if I hold the mic where I usually hold it, that I'm gonna sound high and whiny. But if I hold it up here, it'll sound a little better. <laughs> I've been high. I've I've sounded my voice has been high and sounded whiny all my life. So if I need to get it all the way close and that'll fix it, then we'll do that. (laughs) It's good to be able to pick on yourself sometimes. We're going to talk this morning just for a little bit about what are you focusing on? What what is your focus on? What are you looking at? Are you looking at God? Are you focusing on the things of this world? Are you thinking about God? Are you looking at your circumstances or your situations, and that's all that you can focus on? That's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. You know, our focus will determine our outcome. 
Focus is something that a lot of us have had trouble with all of our lives. Any of you ever have trouble focusing? If you think you hadn't, I can look around this morning and I can already tell that, that, that uh, Thanksgiving meal is still somewhat setting heavy and the meal after the meal and the meal after the meal after the meal is still sort of he- setting sort of heavy. Whenever Brother Hathcock asked me to do this this morning, I laughed at him. I said, well, I will try to wade through the turkey coma and get us to 11 o'clock. Because usually after Thanksgiving, everybody comes in, and although we're very thankful, most of us sinned a little bit, ate too much, had a little bit of gluttony going on, had some things going on. And you come into church and you try to focus, and it's hard because you think, I would rather be in bed right now. See some people honest, yep, that's right. But all of us from time to time have trouble focusing on things. We have trouble paying attention. We have trouble with whatever we're supposed to be doing, that's what we're supposed to stick to. I know it works sometimes. My thing is, and I know I'm a little bit off. I'm okay with that. For years I've been like this, so I'm okay with it at this point. But I have a certain task list in my mind, and things are supposed to go this exact way because I've thought about it. i figured out the best way for this to happen. And if it happens like I think it should happen, everything's going to work out perfectly. But my problem is I'm at a place where everybody gets to come in and they think that their problems are more important than my problems. They think their situations are more important than my situations. So they come in and mess up my mental schedule. And it is almost impossible for me after I do something because just the way that I'm wired, if you come to me and it seems like it may be an important situation, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to go fix your problem and then come back to mine. Drives me crazy. Because then when I get back to whatever I'm doing, it's hard for me to focus back in because I'm thinking, okay, did I solve that problem correctly? Did I take care of it like I was supposed to? And it's hard for me to stay focused sometimes, just like it is some of you. We pick about it a lot. My boss is notorious for not staying on focus. And we have to go in every once in a while and tell him what he's supposed to be doing because he'll totally forget. He'll be in fist and see a room and he'll be out on the tractor. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, well, the field needs to be plowed. I'm like, no, we need to... See patience. So we have to get him. Focus is one of those things that's hard for us to do sometimes. We all have that issue. But what we focus on is going to determine our outcome, is going to ter- determine where we end up at. It's going to determine who we are and what we do. But with focus, there's a lot of things that can come in, especially in this life, that can take your focus and take it off of God and make it focus on something else. That's what our enemy is ultimately trying to do. We talk about the devil, which the devil's our enemy. Then you have the flesh, which is this worldly spirit that's your enemy. And it'll try everything it can to take you and take your focus off of God and take your focus and put it on something else. So there are certain things we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about three things that will definitely try to take your focus, which will try to steal your focus from God. And all three of these things really are intertwined. And all three of these things really could go together. But it's the way that the enemy comes in and tries to take our focus off of the one that saved our soul. Try to take our focus off of actually getting to heaven, to actually making it. So we're going to talk this morning just about these three things. And I can promise you, all of us have gone through this from time to time. All of us have fought and battled with each one of these. You may be battling them this morning. You may be going through them right now. But there are certain things that are going to happen. And you may laugh when we talk about them. Especially this first one. Because in the physical realm, a lot of us have this problem. 
But did you know that your eyes can deceive you? You ever had an issue where your eyes don't quite give you the full picture? I used to pick with them at the church in Forney that anytime I was preaching something that uh, was a little hard or something that was going to be a little more pastoral, I was bad about taking my glasses off and putting them on the, on the table. That's uh, because I'd tell them, now you can do whatever you want to because I have no idea what you're doing. And I'm going to preach thought you're not sitting there because I can't see you. But it's one of those things that sometimes your eyes will deceive you. Your eyes will give up on you. Sometimes we can't, we can't count our eyes to tell us the truth. There's a saying I used to, used to love, and this came out whenever I was in high school. I heard this for the first time, and it was a, it was a funny joke talking about Bill Clinton. But have you ever heard the saying, are you going to believe me, or are you going to believe your own eyes? You ever had that question before? Are you going to believe what you're seeing or are you going to believe what I'm telling you? A lot of times we're going to want to believe what our eyes are seeing. We're going to want to believe what's right in front of us at that moment. Because when we see things, we know that they're real. When we see things, we know that they're there. We have no doubt about it. Like, oh, I can see it. It's there. But the trouble is our eyes will deceive us sometimes. Our eyes will allow us to make things up. Our eyes will allow us to perceive things that aren't there. You ever walked into a dark room? And all of a sudden you see something and you take, you're taken aback for a moment because you see a pile of clothes laying on the chair. You see something and you just, you know that there's somebody there and you jump back. You ever had that happen? I can remember whenever, oh, I was probably maybe 9, 10, 11 at the most. We used to go to my grandmother's house every single day just about. And we were coming home and it was about 9 o'clock. It was only about a 10 minute drive from our house there from Crossroads to Hall Summit, very, very short drive. And we got home. My dad, the deputy sheriff, has been for 45, almost 46 years now. And he was working graveyard shifts, so he wasn't home. Well, in the country out there, you didn't lock your doors. Nobody locked their doors, especially if they knew a cop lived there. There was no point whatsoever locking your door. So you just walk up to it, walk in, walk in the door. Well, I can remember getting out of the car and going up and opening the door, and I usually was the first one in. And when I walked in to our living room, my mom and my dad had a set of Lazy Boys that were right there. And behind my dad's chair was this big, tall, burly man with this horrible look on his face wearing a straw hat that was just waiting for me to walk in the door. I had a little bit of an overactive imagination. And I can remember what it was like seeing that guy standing there and... I'm going to tell you now, just in case you were ever wondering, most people have a fight or flight reflex. Most of the time, if you scare me or something happens, flight is not the reflex you're going to get. <laughs> just throwing that out there now. You can ask my wife later about that. That's just not something that I'm usually not going to run. But that night, I can remember really quickly that I wasn't worried about myself, but I was worried about my family who was about to walk in the door. So I ran out of the house to tell them there was somebody there so they wouldn't get hurt. It wasn't that I was scared, of course. It was just because there was somebody standing in that room, and I had to get out and warn them quickly. So we went out. I got out there, and I told my mom, I said, there's a guy in the house standing behind the door. He's waiting for us. You need to call, get them on the radio. Call Dad. Get him to bring the gun. Take care of this now. And my mom, knowing me, knowing my personality, knowing my overactive imagination, said, you know what, let me go check it out first, and maybe it's somebody we know. 
So she went in and she checked it out. And luckily the guy must have run out the back door before she got in there. He must have taken out because when she got in, he wasn't there. He was gone. And my mom came back to me and said, there's nobody there. Your papa's hat's behind the chair. There was a jacket laying over the back of it. Now, I didn't want to tell her I was, she was crazy because she would, have, she would have given me a little bit of correction if I'd have done that. But I knew in my heart something must have happened. But the truth was my eyes were lying to me. I saw that there and my mind made up and my mind just decided that there was a person there. And he was waiting to get us. He was waiting to just come in and just do whatever. Had no idea. But there was a man in our house. And it scared me to death. Because my eyes lied to me. And a lot of times things like that will happen. And I know that's a little bit humorous. But the way it is in our spirit, our spiritual eyes will lie to us sometimes. Our spiritual eyes will keep us from seeing things. We will perceive things that are not there. And we don't perceive things that are there. We see things that we think are there. We see these things that happen. We think they're there, but they're really not. You know, we can't see God. God's a spirit. And sometimes I wish, I, I've said to myself, I wish, God, that you would just show me. I wish I could just see you. I wish you would just manifest yourself right here so I can see you. If he ever does, it's going to scare me to death. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure that in the Old Testament they had theophanies. They had these visible manifestations of God when you see the angel of the Lord a lot of times that's what it is but I couldn't really imagine what it would be like if Jesus Christ was standing in front of me I would go see him really quickly after that I'm sure if not there in the flesh because it would scare me to death but we can't see God and because of that the enemy will come in so often and he will try to convince us well maybe not God's not even there Maybe God's not even working on this. Maybe God's not even working on your situation. And we get so upset because our eyes, our spiritual eyes, fail us. Basically, we can only see what we're going through at the time. We can only see what's right in front of us. We can only see those things that are happening. I saw it a couple years ago. I read this quote that, we can only, that basically we can only see what's in our line of view. While God is working over the horizon. I like that because we expect things to happen right in front of us. I don't know about you, but whenever something's happening, I want to know everything that's going on. I want somebody to give me a step-by-step, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen next. This is what's going to happen after that. I need that a lot of times. I've talked to some of you. You need that a lot of times. And you want God to show you step-by-step what's going to happen. And sometimes it doesn't work like that. And what happens is we let our spiritual eyes start just guessing what's going on and start guessing what's happening. When God's working it out for us on the other side, but we can't see it, and we let our eyes start making things up, and we let our eyes start seeing things that aren't really there. You ever done that? You ever had those situations? Sometimes your eyes will fail you. We let what we can see at this moment dictate how we're going to live our lives. What's going on right now, what we can see in front of us, we think that maybe they're all there is. I've got a great imagination. I really do. I, I enjoy imagining things. I have to watch it sometimes because sometimes I'll get so far in my, in my head and my imaginations, I forget to do the real stuff. But a lot of times when we get working, we start doing things, it's hard for us to imagine more than what there is right now because our spiritual eyes can't see it. All we can see is right in front of us. 
And even though God is working over the horizon, He's working on the end of it, all we can see is what's right in front of us. Because it's just the way that we are as humans. It's just the way they're set up. We, can, we, we usually, it's, they used to say you can, fight, you can fight what you can see. But a lot of times our eyes start getting this and we start losing it. You think about uh, Peter when he was on the ship in the middle of a storm. Jesus comes walking across the sea. He says, if it's you, let me come out there. Jesus tells him, come on. He gets out of the boat and he starts walking to Jesus and all of a sudden he looks around and he sees the waves. He feels the wind. His eyes deceived him. He saw what was important at first. He saw Jesus. He said, okay, if I can get to him, I'll be okay. But what happened is Jesus was still over here. He got out of that boat and he started seeing those big waves. And all of a sudden when he focused on that, when his eyes were taken away from him, he started looking at that, he started sinking. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to take away our focus. He tries to get us to where we're not looking at God, but we're looking at what's around us. We're looking, he's looking at our situation. And when we do that, all of a sudden we start sinking. All of a sudden we start going down. And we have to make sure in those moments that we refocus ourselves. And we go back to the words of God. And we go back to His Word. And we look at Him and we focus on Him. What are you focusing on this morning? Are you focusing on all the things that are going on in your life? Or are you focusing on God? Are you focusing on the things that are right in front of you? Which everything right in front of you is not bad to focus on. You need to focus on your family. You need to focus on the things that God's given you. But whenever any of that starts taking your focus off of God, your focus is off. What are you focusing on this morning? Sometimes your eyes are going to fail you. Sometimes that's going to happen. Yeah, I read a story, I read an article, this has probably been a couple years ago now, and I know that it's still true. And it was talking about how the youth of today, and this was talking about, I want to say, 35 and under. I know, youth is, used to have a whole different meaning. But they talk about the youth of today and how they've become a generation that sees things on Facebook, they see things on Instagram, they see things on Snapchat, they see things that they check every day. And they see this, and this is the way that they determine what their moral basis is supposed to be for that day. They see that, and it changes constantly. That's why we're seeing so many suicides. That's why we're seeing so many kids bound depression, because they no longer have an absolute. Their focus is on this changing thing, that every day changes what they're supposed to believe, changes what they're supposed to be worried about, changes what they're supposed to be thinking. Every day it changes. There's no absolute. And that's when their lives start going because they lose focus of it. Because their eyes are deceiving them. Sometimes your eyes will deceive you. This next one's good, and I have to watch this one. This is one where we all live. This is one that's probably going to hit a little close to home. Sometimes your feelings will deceive you. I know you never have issues with this. Your feelings will deceive you. It'll be a way for the enemy to get you out of focus. Now all of us have, our, our, the way we process feelings are all different. I can guarantee you I don't process feelings like you do. You don't process feelings like I do. Because everybody processes feelings differently but did you know feelings are given by God these things that we feel a lot of them are given by God so that we can perceive things 
so that we can act. A lot of the traits we got from God, now the world distorts them, and some of them are used incorrectly, but feelings we originally got from God, the way we feel, the way that we act, came from God, and they got distorted. But your feelings, if you don't watch it, will deceive you. Now there's two types of feelings, and we're not going to go real deep into all of it, I'm not going to do that, but there's two real, real, when you talk about feelings, two things that come to mind. Have you ever just had a feeling that something was wrong? You ever got that feeling that something was not quite right? I can remember, and I've, I've told people this for years, I tell a lot of stories about myself because that's what I know. If I knew stories about you, I can guarantee, them, tell you, guarantee you I would tell them. But I know stories about myself. So I can remember whenever, again, when I was young, in that same house I was talking about a while ago, that we were sitting in the living room. And I just had a feeling something was wrong. I had that, that feeling. And this was well before I got into church. This was well before I knew anything about God. But I just had a feeling something's not right. And I got up and I went to my room and I checked. And I couldn't find anything. And I went around the house. It wasn't a very big house. Pretty easy. And I couldn't find anything. And I went and sat down. I remember telling my dad, hey, something's wrong. Something's, something's going on. I don't know what it is. And he's like, be quiet. We're watching TV. Just, just You're fine. And I can remember just that bubbling up saying, okay, no, there's something wrong. Something's happening. And I just had that feeling that something was going on. And I couldn't figure out what in the world it was. And finally, after about 25, 30 minutes, I'm like, I smell smoke. And everybody's like, no, there's nothing going on. I'm like, no, I promise you, I smell smoke. There's something, something happening. I feel that. I mean, I just got that feeling that something's going on, and now I'm smelling something. And again, they were like, don't worry about it. Well, a few minutes later, guess what? Everybody else started smelling smoke. My dad went in, and there was a fire in their kitchen behind some of the boards. They had to tear some of the paneling off to find it. But there was a fire that had started back in there that just took a while. But I still believe, even though I didn't know who God was at that time very well, I still believe that was God unctioning, saying, hey, there's something going on. Right. Have you ever decided, hey, we need to wait a few minutes before we leave? Yeah. We just need to hang on. And then sure enough, you leave, and a few minutes later, you come across a wreck. Yeah. Because God gave you that to protect you. Yeah. We have feelings that God has given us to protect us like that. He will give you things when we call them feelings. I know they have better, better terminologies. But you just have that feeling you shouldn't go. Yeah. God has given us those things, and he allows us to use those. But that same type of feeling, that same type of thing will also be used against us to, keep, to take our focus off of God. Those feelings of anxiety whenever you're in a church, whenever everybody's up and worshiping and you feel like you need to get up and worship and all of a sudden something in your spirit says, no, you don't need to get up. First of all, you know what you've been doing. You don't need to get up and do anything. Secondly, if you get up, somebody's going to look at you. And those same types of feelings start getting on you. And those are not of God. Those are straight from the enemy. Trying to keep you from getting closer to God. Your feelings will fail you. Even though God has put those there to keep you safe and to keep you in, in a correct place. Sometimes the enemy will come in and your flesh most definitely. And will keep you from getting to God. You'll get those feelings to where you, know, you feel inadequate or you feel like you can't get up. Or whatever it is. And you just will not be able to go to the front. You won't be able to move closer to God because you get that feeling. Can I tell you something? If you're getting a feeling that's telling you not to be closer to God, it's of the devil. If you ever get a feeling that you shouldn't be worshiping Him, that's not of God. That's your feelings deceiving you. That's your feelings failing, causing you to lose focus. 
And then we got this big problem with our feelings, which is the way that we usually think about it. And this, this sort of irritated me. I didn't realize it. I think it's ge geographic, and I think I may not be. But used to, we used to pick on millennials a lot. You pick on the millennial generation. The millennials, they're, they're whiny, they're crazy, they're, and we like to pick on them. Well, they changed the definition when a millennial started. Now, if you were born after 1980, you're considered a millennial up until a certain point. So apparently I'm a millennial. So I guess I can whine about my feelings this morning. But your feelings sometimes will definitely fail you. Again, God gave you feelings. That's how that you know that you're, you know, that's how that you can tell that you're supposed to be nice to someone. That's how you can tell that you're supposed to be friendly with someone because you get those feelings, you get those things. But sometimes these things, these feelings that we have can fail you in a hurry. And they can break you. And this is one of the greatest things that the enemy does. This is one of the greatest things that the enemy does to try to pull us out of church and try to pull us away from God. And this is one I think that we've probably battled with a lot. This one and the next one, I can guarantee you that every one of us has gone through. But sometimes your feelings will fail you. And sometimes they will pull you away from God. I was trying to remember if I've ever told this story here or not. I don't know that I have. And if I have, y'all just forgive me. I'm, I'm forgetful at times and I forget that I tell stories. But I didn't hear you, but Jesus loved you. I'm a millennial. That's right. <laughs> but I can remember back to where I think that and I was trying to think back to a time whenever my feelings just totally tried to pull me away from God. It really tried to pull me in. And I remember a moment when I was the most broken I had ever been emotionally in my life. I, can, I still remember this. I have to give a little bit of backstory on this. So I'm trying to look at my time make sure I'm good. I told you, there may not be a lot of preaching this morning. There'll be a few stories. But I can remember back, all the way back to Cushada when we were in the church there. And this is before Brother Hathcock got there. This is, um, we had a pastor there that was there whenever I got into church. And I basically learned under him, studied him. Unfortunately, he's no longer in the church, which breaks my heart. But I felt a call to preach whenever he was there. And I got to start preaching every once in a while, and I got to do some services. We had a detention center there for youth, and I got to do some services there and got to do a few things. And the biggest thing I started doing there was, um, during his reign, was being in the sound booth. I was a sound guy for years. I try not to mention that much here because y'all have really good sound guys, and I'm like, eh, let them do it. But I was a sound guy for years, and whenever our media first got put in, I helped set that up and was one of the first ones that did our media there. So I was very involved in that. And then we had another pastor, and then fortunately, Brother Hathcock came to Cachetta, and it was a great thing. And I started learning a lot more about ministry, and he started letting me help out and lead some services and preach every once in a while. And it was amazing. I pick a lot about Brother Jarek. I, I, I tell him, I said, man, I wish I was as far along in my ministry at your age is my ministry whenever I was your age as you are now. Because I remember how bad it was. I remember how rough it was at times. But Brother Hathcock still let me quite a bit lead services. I can remember one, and this was probably my youthful arrogance that did it. At the time, I was doing the sounds and the media. We had our sound booth was on the second story. 
we had the sound booth and they had the computer set up right beside it. My friend Trey usually would do the, the media, but he was working that night, so he wasn't there. Brother Hathcock had something come up at the very last minute, and he called me just probably an hour before church. Hey, he said, hey, can you, do, can you do tonight's service? Can you do Wednesday night? And like he does, anytime somebody calls me and asks me to preach, yes, sir, I'm good to go. So I told him I got there, and our other sound man called me right before church and said, hey, I'm not going to be there. I said, okay, this is not good. And then Trey called me and said, hey, I'm not going to be there. My route's taking me longer. Okay, so we have no sound man, no, video, no media guy, and no preacher. I got this. I'm not worried about it. So I'd go down, and we had it set up very much. I would run down, and I started the service off. I welcomed everybody, and then I got them to start singing. I ran up, put the words on the screen, because nobody knows these songs we've sang 10,000 times. I ran down, took up an offering, ran back up, changed the sound a little bit, put the songs back on. And I remember running back and forth, and afterwards I'm like, man, I did that. Probably wasn't none of it any good. But I was being used in the church, and I was so excited about it. And as time went on, a lot of things were happening, and I got to be used more and more. And then some things happened in Louisiana, and this was back whenever the market crashed, and everything was going sideways, and jobs were impossible to find at the time. And I was talking to Brother Hathcock. We were probably working in the middle of the night. And he said, hey, have you ever thought about moving to Texas? I'm like, no, not really. He said, honestly, he said, as much as y'all been struggling, he said, you know, dad pastor's over there. He's got a really good church. He said, you'd be able to find a job over there in no time. With the skills you've got, I promise you, go over there, you can find a job. So with his blessing and talking to my wife, I said, okay, I prayed about it. And I told God, if I go over and I get a job, the first time I apply for one, then we'll move over there. So I go in and I start the interview process. And about halfway through, I'm nervous. And the guy's like, you've already got the job. Why are you nervous? Okay. So I called my wife and said, hey, I got a job. If I can find a house, we're going to move. I called her back about 45 minutes later. Hey, I just rented a house. I guess we're moving. And actually, it was, what, 15 years ago? 15 years ago. We got up and we just moved everything and moved our family over here because my pastor was wise enough to see that there were opportunities over here. Never knowing what was going to happen over here, this is where I would get licensed. This is where I would pastor my first two churches. All these things, didn't know that. It was amazing. I was so excited. But we were here for about two years, about two, two and a half years, I think it was, and we got some amazing news. Not so great for my parents and my in-laws, but... Brother Hathcock had prayed and decided it was time for him to move on from the church there in Cushada. And I, I say, I don't, I'm not going to say this wrong because it would not. After a few weeks, he, or after a month or so, I think it was, he ended up being coming here to pastor, which was amazing. I was so excited because you don't understand. I had went through blood, sweat, and tears with that man. He had been my pastor. He had dedicated all three of my kids. He had baptized. At that point he hadn't, but shortly later he had baptized Valen. This was my pastor. This was somebody that I loved. And I'll tell you, even whenever I was pastoring, I would call him all the time to get advice. Because my pastor has been now for over 20 years. And I can remember when he came here, I was so excited because this was about the Sunday morning total crowd when I got here. Actually, there's probably a few more if I counted real quick. Brother Hath, the elder bishop, was doing a great job, and he was working, and it was growing. But I knew that whenever Brother Rusty Hathcock got here, the church was going to grow. Because whenever we were in Cushada, we had gotten down to 65 people. And whenever he left, it was well over 200. So I knew that he was going to grow a church when he got here. 
I knew what was coming, so I was so excited. And I can remember going out with the first week they were here. Uh, we were actually, uh, he and Sister Missy, and we went to IHOP. And we was just so excited they were here. I remember that first night they were back. And I was so excited. And then I remember one, I can't remember if it was a Sunday night or Wednesday night. It was a Sunday night. She remembers well. I was up here. We already had the media up here. already did the sound. I was doing the, the media at the time. We already had everything up here on the thing. And I was sitting there. And I was doing the things, and I was excited, and I guess I was having a little bit of a bad day anyway. And Brother Hathcock got up, and he was talking about, so we had a few people that could lead service at the time, and had a few people could do things, and we weren't really struggling to have people in positions, which was amazing. But you know how sometimes your feelings will mess you up. Sometimes your feelings will fail you. Sometimes your feelings will let you down and pull you away from God. Brother Hathcock got up and he was talking about it. He said, man, I am so excited that there's things, that we got people doing stuff now and there's people leading services because I didn't have any help in Cachata. <laughs> I was devastated. I was, bro I steamed the rest of the service. I, that's true. I didn't, I, I, my wife's corrected me. I didn't make it the rest of the service. I got up after that, left off the platform, told my family we're leaving, got in the car and went home. Because I got my feelings hurt. I acted like a millennial. <laughs> I got my feelings hurt and I left. And Brother Hathcock called me right after church and said, hey man, did you get sick? What happened? Why'd you leave? I, I ignored his call. I didn't answer it. I told my wife and my home, we're never going back to that church. He said, we'll find somewhere else. There's somebody else who want us. We're not going there. And finally, after my wife talking and Brother Hathcock had texted me a couple times because it's, it's, uh, it was rare for me not to answer at that time, not so much now. But after a couple days, I talked to him and he said, what are you talking about? He said, you were gone for two and a half years. And he said, after you left and some other people left, I didn't have any help. He said, I wasn't talking about when you were there. He said, I was talking about after that. And I felt about this tall. I don't even know if I've ever told you that story or not told. I don't know if I've ever said it here or not. I know you knew it, but I never told it about here. I felt about this big. Because that man that I had trusted so much and I put so much faith in that I allowed to just pour into my life, one statement that I took out of context and didn't listen to totally pulled me away from God, totally let me leave on a service that probably was going to be amazing because my feelings got in the way. Because my feelings failed me because my feelings got hurt. Sometimes we come into church and that's exactly what the enemy will try to do. He will use your feelings. He'll say, well, they didn't shake my hand when I walked in. They must not love me. Somebody was staring at me during church. They must have thought something was going on. Somebody called me and didn't leave a message. And we let our feelings get hurt whenever there's not a thing about it that's wrong. Because we're so insecure as humans. And that will allow us to take our focus off of the one that died for us and start looking at these little petty problems that don't even exist. We will let our feelings fail us. I think that's one of the greatest tools that the devil uses. Because you talk to people, and there's a lot of people, well, this is why I left church. And a lot of times when they say what they left church for, didn't actually happen. In their mind it did. In their mind it was real, but it never actually happened. It was something they made up. It was something that the enemy used to pull them away from God. Your feelings will fail you. Your eyes will fail you. 
If you don't think they will, just wait. You better watch it. I was so glad that we got that straightened out. I would have never been licensed. I would have never had a church. I truly believe that. But we put that back together, and I hope since then we've had a great relationship, and I try not to let crazy things like that bother me anymore. But we've all been there where situations like that pull us down because your feelings will fail you. Can I tell you something? This is hard to do, but this is biblical. If someone hurt your feelings, if someone slighted you and you think that they're mad at you, they're upset, you know what you need to do? Go to them. Talk to them. Not in a way that you're accusing them, not in a way where you're trying to start a fight. I know some of you, that's what you'd be doing. But go to them and say, hey, this is, this is what I heard. Is that what you said? And a lot of times, all these situations will be taken care of. All these problems will be fixed because that's what the Bible tells us to do. Don't let your feelings take away your focus from God. Anything that is pulling you away from God is not of God. Because he said he's drawing all men. He's trying to draw everyone to him. So don't let your feelings get in the way. And the last thing, and I'm going to hurry on this last one, is sometimes your situations will deceive you. I know this one goes back a lot to the, lots of the first one we talked about. But your situations will deceive you. Your situations will cause you to take your focus off of God. I know it's hard to see past what you're in the middle of. If you're ever in the middle of a forest and you're trying to look around and find something that's on the other side, it's hard to see. If you're in the middle of this building and you're trying to look at what is out in the parking lot and the windows are covered, it's going to be hard to see because you're in the middle of this. And a lot of times as we're going through things, our situations will cause us to take our focus off of God. We'll take our focus off the one we're supposed to be looking at. We know this happens all the time. We know that whatever we're going through at that moment is the most important thing in our lives. Because it's just the way we're wired. It's hard to see past what we're going through right now. It's hard to see past what we're doing at that moment. It's hard to see what's in the future whenever you're dealing with something now. Whenever you look at your, you log into your bank account and there's not much money in there, it's hard to see what's going to happen later on. Whenever you get that call from your doctor or you walk into his office and you get bad news, it's hard to see past that because that's what's in front of you. That's what's most important at that time. And we lose sight of the fact that God is still working out the problem. God is still in control. But because of our situation, our focus shifts. Our focus changes. Our focus can only see what's right there. And it's such a scary place because we all live in the here and now. We can't see the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We, can't even, we don't even know for sure we're going to be able to walk out of this building and be able to breathe when we leave. We don't have that promise. So we live in this here and now. We live in what's right in front of us. And sometimes we get so focused on life and so focused on the things that are going on, we forget what all God is doing for us or for what God has already done for us. I was writing this down in a story, and I think most of you know this story. I told you there's going to be a lot of stories this morning. Most of y'all, hopefully everybody knows our oldest daughter, Vivi. I don't think she's in there this morning. She's not. But she's been, she's been helping with media, so every once in a while she'll be in there on the computer, but I don't see her in there this morning. 
She always gets a little antsy when I talk about her. But if most of y'all didn't know, how old was she? Two days before her second birthday. She had an accident to where she was had a, a pot of boiling water fell on her and burned her from basically her head to her toes. I mean, it was it was bad. It was it was rough, and it was a lot of things going on. And I can remember whenever we had Vivi, y'all Valen. I know he's already in college, but most of y'all know Valen, and y'all can't imagine it now. He's you know so tall and big. But whenever he was born, he was the first son or first first grandson on both sides he was the only grandchild at that point to say he was spoilt was an understatement still is but I remember I knew he was my child I knew that I was supposed to be able to hold him every once in a while I know that every once in a while I was supposed to be able to see him but it didn't happen very often I was told very quickly that yeah he's your son but he's ours and if Shira, either Shira had him or the grandparents had him, I didn't get to hold him very much. So whenever we found out that we were pregnant with Vivi, and whenever we had Vivi, guess what? I decided Vivi was mine. If you were going to hold Vivi, you had to ask me first. She was going to be in my lap. The grandparents wanted her, you come and ask me. And that's the way it was for a while. If somebody was holding her, usually it was going to be me. And I could remember after she got burnt, after that happened, and we had to go in, and it was, it was so rough. We had to go in and change the bandages every four hours for a while. And it was horrible. And we'd have to put her in the bathtub and soak her and have to basically scrub the, 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 the bandages off of her because her, it was, we didn't see it at the time, but it was a miracle. Her skin was healing so fast that the bandages were grafting into her skin. So every night we would have to take those off, and we'd have this little scrub brush, and we had to scrub it, and it was horrible. I hated every moment of it. And I can remember putting her in her, in her shirt. She, she called her shirt. When you wrap her back up, we'd call it her shirt. And I would hold her there. And after we gave her a pain medicine, she'd finally go to sleep. I can remember holding her. And I still remember praying, God, why did you let this happen? Why, why, what, what was the point in this even going on? What was the reason? I can remember getting so upset with God at the time. And then I remembered, and someone actually told me this. I remember looking at him and holding that baby. And someone, I was, I was trying for the life of me to remember who told me, and I, I can't. And I said, what in the world? I said, why would God do this? And someone very wise told me, well, what do you do after you change the bandages? And I said, I sit there and hold her. That's all you do, you sit there and hold her. I'm like, yes, I'll just sit there and hold her and wish it wasn't happening. And I remember at that moment realizing that I had stopped focusing on the miracle that I was holding and the miracle that had happened because it really was a miracle. If you look at her now, there's no scarring whatsoever from that. You can see a little spot when she gets hot and that's it. There was no scarring. The people at the hospital were amazed and the nurses, I think we had a few come to church because she was healing so fast. They said, there's only God that could do this. There were miracles happening the entire time. But because of my situation at that moment, I couldn't see what was happening. I couldn't see the other lives that were being affected by this. I couldn't see the things that were going to happen years down the road whenever they're now and they're helping with the media. They were helping at our church in Forney. I couldn't see all that because my situation had me locked in at that moment of the pain and the heartache that was going on right then. 
I have friends right now that are going through heartache and pain, and I want to go up to them and tell them, hey, this is why you're going through it. But I don't know the answer. But I know one thing for sure, and we read it earlier. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. I don't understand it right now. I don't understand this situation, but I know one thing for sure. God's got something bigger in store for each and every one of us. He said, I am drawing you to me constantly. But our situations will cause us to lose focus. Our situations will cause us to lose our sight of God. And whenever we do that, we need to realize that whatever's going on in your life, whatever's happening at that moment, whether your eyes are deceiving you, whether you're seeing things that aren't there, whether your feelings have totally failed you, and you think somebody's mad at you, and somebody hates you, and someone doesn't want to be around you, that's a lie straight from hell. Whether you're in a situation this morning and you can't see past it, can I tell you right now, God still loves you. He's still working for you this morning. And we just need to refocus ourselves on Him today. We need to focus on what He has for us. He's got something better in store. Is it going to be tomorrow? I don't know. I wish I knew. I can't tell you. But I can promise you, He's got bigger and better in store for us if we'll focus on Him. Let's stand this morning. What are you focusing on today? Has life got you so focused on it that you can't see anything else? You have a perfect opportunity this morning. You have a perfect opportunity in this building today to reconnect with the one that you should be focusing on. So I'm going to challenge you in this 11 o'clock service that we're about to start. Put all that other stuff aside just for a little bit. All the heartache, all the pain, all the things that are keeping your attention. Just forget that for a little while and let's just focus on God. Let's pray one more time this morning. Lord. You see every person in this place right now. Lord, you see the situations, you see the pain, you see the heartbreak. Lord, I feel it right now. I feel it coming out of this congregation. But Lord, I ask right now that you send healing to hearts right now. Lord, if there be understanding that can be sent, Lord, send understanding right now. Let us realize that we're in your presence. And if we'll lay all that aside and trust you and refocus ourselves, you'll be there for us. And you'll lead and guide us into every truth. Lord, we thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name.